Welcome to Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I have taught people how to produce their original work for the stage for over 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog where you'll learn to produce and direct your own shows. It's what I do, and you can too. We have today with us Will Inman and Darian Silvers, and they are Houstonians. Actually, full disclosure, Will is my son and Darian's his boyfriend. They're super experienced theater guys, and Will has had several of his original shows produced. In fact, he has even had one produced at the Kennedy Center. He was part of a Torrent Theater Festival. He had some things produced at Roger State University in Oklahoma, Fringe Festival in Tulsa, Summer Stage. What am I forgetting? and then a whole host of things in Houston. And I'm going to include the bio, so you guys can check the links below. And Darian comes from a dance background. He's a choreographer and a dancer and a designer and a graphic artist. And all of these things he's putting together in one big pot to create himself as director. And he's directed several shows already. And right now you're directing something after having just completed the original opera, North Pond. What is the piece you're working on right now? Um, right now, I am assistant directing Titus Andronicus with Robert Meek at Clear Creek Theater in Friendswood, Texas. Really? How far away is that from your apartment in Houston? 20, 20 minutes, 25, 30. Oh my gosh. So you're a, you're a dedicated soul. I only went to audition so far. Um, we're still casting, so. Okay. The reason why I wanted to talk to you guys today, other than the fact that I love talking to you and I adore you both and you're awesome human beings, is I want to talk to you about team building. In the podcast, I'm talking to people about how to create their own work from scratch. We will talk a lot about different things, including dance and, I don't know, maybe a performance fencing match art thing. I don't know, whatever people are wanting to do. But my background and your backgrounds primarily are in live theater. And that's for the most part plays, although both of you have experience with musicals, a lot of experience with musicals. But we're going to talk about putting together an original play. So what do you think people need to know about building a team? Because you've had experiences on both sides of the fence, building amazing teams, amazing teams. And being part of teams that didn't work so well together. Um, I think you need to know what you're bad at. I know that I'm not super duper organized. This is Will, by the way. And I'm not great at, like, staying calm when I'm not organized. So a stage manager is always very important for me. And people use different kinds of stage managers depending on, I think, who they are and what they need. Uh, I usually need one who is to keep me calm. That's my number one priority for that. And otherwise, you uh, also want to find people who will interpret the work not... You don't want someone who it's like, ooh, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be in my head. Right. You want someone who will surprise you. And not all of the stuff they surprise you with is going to be stuff you like, but if they come in with a different take on your work, then you're already adding another dimension that you hadn't thought of, which is the point of collaboration. What if the take they have for your work is not at all the direction you think it needs to go? Communicate with them that this isn't going to work for the show we're putting up. Um, and to keep bringing ideas to the table, because ideas are ideas, and any good, any idea in general will. 
I think just communication is my number one thing. I think when putting up a new show, you need to communicate with everyone what your vision is, what their vision is, and everything will be a lot easier if you know what page each individual is at. Yeah, I think that's important too because there is, you're right about that question you asked. Um, my friend Nicole uh, wrote and produced a play called Thicker Than Honey at UH. And she had an actor who was a grad who was doing something that was very different from the script, which she did in the callbacks. But then during the rehearsal process, she wasn't able to hear the notes and she stuck with her vision of it. So that's why I try to do a callbacks if someone does something wrong or even if they do something right but that wasn't expected. And wrong and right are subjective, but from the director and writer standpoint, there are a right and wrong. (laughs) Uh, If at a callback they do something unexpected, I try to give them a note to see how well they can adjust, because that's very important to us, finding people who are able to adjust like that. Mm-hmm. So, Will, when I heard you say the stage manager is important to you, I want you to both answer two questions for me. One is, what does the stage manager do for a production? And that's a really long answer, I'm sure, but maybe give it the short version of it. And the second one is, what happens when you select a director to direct a work you've written? What does that require? Stage manager. That's the person who is in charge of making the schedule and emailing actors and being in charge of props and calling cues. And they're kind of like the director is the director for the actors and the stage manager is the director for the tech crew. And the actors too. The stage manager's gone. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before. Writer is father, director is son, stage manager is Holy Spirit. Huh? <laughs> Can I do the stage manager one? Um, I guess for me it would just be, like he said earlier, something you're bad at. I, I guess it depends on the director and the show, but um, for me, a stage manager would just be someone that's really good with organization, someone I can trust to take all the stuff that I'm giving them because I'm working on the vision of the show and I'm working on the visuals. Are you speaking as a director right now? Yes, yeah. So I guess it would just be someone who can take all of my crazy paperwork and take all of my crazy and put it onto paper and just kind of listen to me and write down any notes I say or... Because sometimes it'll be in the moment and I know it'll be in the moment, but maybe it's a good idea. So if my stage manager writes it down, I may have forgotten about it, but my stage manager may have it. So I think stage manager for me is just an assistant director. Yeah, and you had said something about for the show you did recently that you wanted a stage manager whom you knew because you wanted to be able to know that you could work with them? Yes. That's like with trust. That's the trust thing I was talking about. I think that's... Because if you have someone you don't know, they don't really know your patterns yet, and they don't know what you find important. But if you know someone that you do know, and they know what you think is important, that's a stage manager you need. Someone who can differentiate what you say that is important and what you say that is just in passing. (laughs) You have both directed your own shows and had someone else direct your shows. Mm -hmm. I like to direct my own shows because, A, it's easier, um, and B, I'm a control freak. I've had three instances so far, I think, of other people directing a fully produced play of mine. The most recent one was a 10-minute called Coming Out that actually one of my professors, uh, my uh, dialect professor, Jim Johnson, directed it. It was a 10-minute at a festival at UH, and it was very sensitive because it was about a daughter and her parents, and the daughter is black and the parents are white, and halfway through the 10 minute, you think she's coming out as gay, but she comes out as black, and I was nervous about that yeah. because a lot of our professors are very white, and I was uh-huh. and I was nervous about it already because I knew I had the gay perspective, but I you know, was breaching new waters with the um, ethnicity issues I was talking about. And that was a very hands-off process because I was doing another play at the time, Animal Farm. I was acting in it, so I couldn't come to any of the rehearsals. But I knew it was Jim Johnson, 
and I know he's a very open-minded individual and he's very intelligent and he was able to to fix it. He would just come to me every now and then with notes and was very respectful about it and he didn't say, you know, you should do this. He would say, if you're doing this, I need to understand why. And then Teresa Rebeck, who's actually a Tony Award-winning playwright, who's one of my professors as well, came in, though I think it was a week before the performance and she had basically some notes that made it a straight comedy, which fixed it. So directors in general, that's about, for me, really, that's just about trust. Because the other two times I had outside directors were you and Darian. Darian was another really hands-off one, but he had been with me during the writing of the play, so he understood it, and I trusted him with it. And that whole process, neither of us had much control anyway, so he really would have been the what I would have trusted. Right. And then you, that was with uh, the lesbian exhibit, and that was my first time when I wasn't directing my own play, and I was like, the only person I can trust to do this is my mother. I'm very flattered. <laughs> the best directors, just like with actors, for me, are the ones who come in with excitement for it, and with new ideas because you had many many new ideas so did Darian so did Jim Johnson that ended up making it better I didn't take all the ideas but I took most of them and that again just adds more dimension how did coming out do were you happy with the end result it went very well yeah it was great it was awesome because I think I was too worried about the message being lost in comedy Ah. but then I realized it's a 10 minute so do you anticipate this particular play having any kind of a life I think it's, uh, as far as 10 minutes go, I mean, I don't think 10 minutes have much of a life anyway. It's kind of like, for, I don't know, for me, 10 minutes are like animals and then plays are like humans. But 10 minutes by nature are about one single concept rather than about characters or about setting or any kind of message, really. You can't do much with them. I think a lot of programs, including my own, focus too much on them because people think they're training wheels for plays, but they're really not. It's a completely different animal. I think it's like idea versus a full fleshed out world. That's it. Edgar Allan Poe had said something, I think, about how much harder it is to write with fewer words. I hope I'm getting that right. But that short stories are harder than novels. And I think in oh, some yeah. ways, maybe short plays are harder than full length. I agree. I, oh, hate, I, agree. I hate 10 minutes. I really do. I would never have written one if it hadn't been an assignment. Uh, <laughs> just because I think people approach them in a not very productive way. Yeah. Because for me, 10 minutes are about writing it and then it's done and then you write another one and it's done it's it's more like exercising your brain and your right muscles for me than actually making a product okay just because i lived with this 10 minute for six months i think after i wrote it and i was so over it at the time yeah <laughs> it should come comfortably it should and it should it should sound and be comfortable on stage because it shouldn't be like something you're leading up to being comfortable it should be this is just how it is, and this is the concept we're trying to say here. The characters are there for us to see the concept in a 10-minute. Right. Well, tell ah. me tell me this, because you didn't get to choose all of the people involved in the plays that you've written at school. How does that, and Darian, you can speak to this from being someone who's pulled in to direct an original piece and maybe is asked to produce a staff, you know, like out of your head, which I know you have. How do you deal with putting a team together? If you have to be that guy, let's let's set the ones aside, the school ones aside, that where you don't get to make those choices because those choices are made for you, and you're the guy who actually has to put together your team. What are the team members that you think are going to be the responsibility of, say, either the director or the playwright or the person who's producing the show. We'll just call that person the producer. What are the staff positions they need to fill? And are there staff positions, for instance, like the stage manager who's responsible for filling other staff positions, like the property master or whatever? Stage manager, for me, is one of the very first things you should get. Yes. 
I think in the past I've told my stage manager just gather a crew that you trust because um, I'm an actor and playwright, so I never see what those people are doing. So I don't know how well they can do it. But the stage manager knows that world, so I would delegate them to put together their own little team. Actors, obviously I think that should be an equal say for playwright and director. Yeah. Especially if it's a new work. Well, if it's a new work, it should be director and writer, and if it's a, a work that's been produced before, I think it should be mostly director. I don't know why the writer would be involved. <laughs> if it's not the premiere. <laughs> okay. TD. Well, that's, I mean, you you said the uh, stage manager would do that. I mean, I'm an actor, too. I'm a lot more of a visual person than I let myself off to be. So sometimes I do see works of TD and lighting designers, and I like some other than others. So TD is short for something, right? Uh, technical director, yeah. Gotcha. Facebook is a wonderful... I never use it, but I use it to find staff for shows and stuff, because it's so easy. Just make a group message. Initially, I would just get a stage manager um, and ask them who they're thinking. I'll talk to them about the show. I'll get them excited about the show. And depending on if I'm director or writer, we'll stage manager, writer, and director, the three of us talk about what direction we're going with for the show and who would be best equipped for this show. We just talk about what direction we want to go in, and um, depending on what direction we do want to go in for this show... We would talk about what kind of tech people we would need and style of tech people we would need because each individual is very different and I don't think I would use the same tech people for the same show. I might use the same stage manager for the same show because that's like stage manager-director relationship. For actors, if it's writer and director, we would have auditions and callbacks kind of play off of that. TD and AD, technical director, artistic director, those are for established theater companies. And if you're listening to this podcast, I bet you don't have one of those. So really, if you're trying to produce your own work and you're trying to do it in a scrappy kind of way, you're going to need writer, director, stage manager. Stage manager. And then you will all design the lights and the set yes. together. Well, yeah, and, and also what I'm hearing you say is that you play on your strengths and you pull in people who can fill in the gap. Organization is not your strong suit, but writing obviously is. So like visual directors. Yeah. So you pull in people who can visualize. And, and Darian, your strong suit is visualization. So you might pull in people who can read your mind because you don't always speak in words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, the few times that I've watched you, you're very expressive physically. So if someone is in tune with you, they're going to understand what you're trying to express and that makes sense since you have a dance background and that you, being a graphic artist as well you probably draw a lot too yeah i i mean for if, I'm, if, if i am directing i'll do like sketches for what i want for each scene or what i want like how the stage to look for this scene or whatnot yeah i think you and i approach things very similarly because i'm big on sketching things out and i really like to write because then you can show that to someone and they're like Oh, okay. But if you don't sketch, if you're not an artist, don't worry about that. But you might consider pulling someone in who is able to visually express things so that you can look at a piece of paper and, and somebody's scribbled something out. Even if the sketching is not good, if it's stick figures, at least you can see how they're relating to you know where things should be on the stage. Well, has it been worth it to do original works on the stage? Has that been a worthwhile experience? Oh, yeah, always, even when it sucks. Oh, yeah, you get something from it. I agree. What's the value of putting on original work as opposed to digging into the canon and pulling out a chestnut? I wish Kelsey were here because she is an actor who likes to do new works and she can talk about that. And everyone has more stakes. Actually, I can talk about Animal Farm. I was in recently Animal Farm, which was a quasi-musical, but it was Brechtian, so it was like a play with music and da 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 Not by Brecht, just very Brechtian. 
and the original script did not at all resemble what we ended up putting on stage. We had a genius music director who was able to make a song suddenly honky-tonk or poppy or whatever he needed to do. He'd just go... And our director was so inclusive and so about everyone having a personal investment. Because, uh, you know, there were people, I my character had a name, Benjamin, and then someone else would play Squealer or Napoleon. But then sometimes there would be four heads, a cat, whatever. And he said, I need to know every animal's name. If you don't have one, I need to, to come up with one. And he would remember it immediately. And he would always refer to that animal as the animal's name that they had given them. Uh, and he would listen to all of our ideas because he would, you know, we would stop somewhere and he'd be like, this is bad. And he was like, does anybody have any ideas? And we would suggest them and sometimes they worked and sometimes they didn't but i've never really been in a play before where every single actor on stage was so deeply invested Mm -hmm. uh, in creating the product because we didn't have a certain like if you're doing our town that's a play that needs to be done a specific way and there's kind of an ideal you're reaching for but in this one there really wasn't that we were just trying from the ground up to build something that we like i hear in your speaking will that it's about creating something without any expectations. So if the actors are doing that, then they can actually create something out of whole cloth. I mean, you've been on the other side of that coin where you actually were, and without giving too much away, um, working with someone that was very pleasant to work with, but not experienced, and also not really open to collaboration. Right. I mean, what will set this, what will make the show different? for you, I think, depending on if you're doing a new script or if you're doing a script that's been done a hundred times, is mainly just validation and collaboration with your actors and your team. And just making sure that there's a brushstroke for everybody. And like you were saying about Animal Farm, I got to see some of the proposals for that. And it was just brilliant. Everybody brought something to the table. And if you are doing new work, there are no expectations. And you can really take it anywhere you want to, and that's a lot of fun. Um, But if you are doing something that has been done a hundred times, you can still make it however you want to make it. Just make sure to respect the playwright because he's part of this collaboration process with you, whether he's there or not. And make sure that his brushstroke is shown as well. I've often said that the audience is the final collaborator. So what do you think when when you hear that? And I, you guys have probably said it yourselves. Uh, I'm just so tired. I've been talking about this a lot lately. I'm so tired of people pretending the audience isn't there because they are. That's stupid. <laughs> I mean, Annie Baker's doing it, but she's doing it well. But then everyone else is trying to do it. Annie Baker's doing. It. I'm like, stop it because it's just it's making theater seem ashamed of itself. Yes. And ashamed of the fact that it's a play and not a movie. And it's I'm like, sh- go make a movie then. Yeah. It's almost ashamed of. It's, it's almost ashamed of itself for trying to make a point about something, for trying to tell the audience something. Mm-hmm. Well, Shakespeare, the universally acknowledged greatest playwright in the English canon, was famous for having his characters interact with the audience and those asides and all that stuff. And I, we're all going, we all paid money, we're all sitting down in a theater, <laughs> we all know we are in a theater, and it's like Hamilton. Okay, I'm sorry, Hamilton. Well, no, Natasha and Pierre, that's more recent. Both of them. They uh, are musicals that, from the very opening, Hamilton comes on, he's black, and he's rapping. From the beginning of Natasha and Pierre, the actors come on, and they're narrating themselves. If you do that within the first 10 or 15 minutes, the audience will be there with you, and they'll go, okay, this is the ride we're in for, and they'll strap in. And so I don't see why, if you're going to be doing uh, a stage play, I think the reason to do theater is because there's a live audience there. That's people have always said the fact that it's live, and the energy shifts every single night. And you're going to have a different play every single night. 
Um, especially, okay, so again, Animal Farm. It was such a weird play. They were talking animals on stage, and we were all moving weird and making animal noises, but then we were people. We never knew when people were going to laugh, ever, just because they were uncomfortable with so much of what was happening on stage. And I have to say, I'm interrupting you, but I want to say that is probably the best college production I have ever seen. I was so honored to be a part of it. I saw it twice. I liked it so much. And it was so different both times, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The first time was hilariously funny, and the second time was a little more somber, which had something to do with the crowd, I think. Because the audience the first day was, you know, maybe it was a Friday night, and they were really happy. And then the second day, maybe they had gotten a fight that day, or maybe they were feeling sad about something. But And so that's how they connected to the show. That doesn't mean they're wrong. And if you do a play that's, you know, Ibsen realism, then you're really losing a big advantage of being able to play off how the audience is feeling. Yeah. Because the actor can always sense how the audience is doing. As soon as you get off stage, you go, oh, that was a terrible audience, or the audience is really great tonight. So if you're able to use that and to to trust your actors to be able to connect and adjust to the audience, you're going to have a really good show every night. I think your point is really strong, and it also brings us back to the idea of building a team that's willing to collaborate, because I think collaboration builds a sort of a pyramid that is where you want to go. Because I think of a show like Pippin, for instance, where they did it in such a... It was ideal to do it as a circus theme, but I'd never seen it done that way. And it, and it made all the sense in the world, but then, of course, they had actual circus performers. And as soon as they opened and you saw that these were actual acrobats and actual jugglers and whatever, and you were immediately in that world, the audience saw something that really pulled them out of what they expected to see when going to see Pippin. My friend was listening to Natasha and Pierre, and I got to the song The Opera, where there's an opera within the play, and it's weird. It sounds like a space opera written by Bjork or something with no dialogue and people are going like, ah, it's just like <laughs> a weird alien thing. And she said it should not have been able to work, but it worked just because everyone involved, not just the author, because a lot of times the actors are like, I don't really know what this guy's doing. But everyone, the actors and the author and the director, everyone was super confident, this is the right choice and this is the choice we're going to make. And the audience was like, well, this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about, so they're going to go with it. Well, I think that really speaks to leadership. So the person who's producing or directing or leading as a stage manager or whatever, in whatever position, they need to have that confidence as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then, for instance, because I've done plays with you in it and my sister Emily, your daughter, and I've done with my whole family in it. The great thing about that is, I've talked about this with Emily before, when giving notes, I can turn to her and say, you know this part, make this part funny. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. So people say don't cast friends, but I say just cast the right friends. If someone is able to communicate with you and speak your language, that's ideal. She says that's her favorite note. I don't know, Darian, if somebody said to you, make it funny, what would you do? If Will said make it funny to me, yeah. it didn't, it would just be another situation, but I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think any, I, I think anybody who is willing to expose themselves on the stage is probably going to get what that's about. And trust is so important. You did something, I tell the story all the time, in a state sale where you were playing <laughs> the wife and your husband was playing your husband and you were both fighting off stage and there was a point, and it was a live audience, it wasn't a rehearsal where you were listing all the things that he had sold and you said, my Eagles albums, my scarf, and then you improv <gasps> my precious moments church, which I was then able to, it was so weird and specific, and you knew, I think, that I would find that really funny. Uh, and I was able to write it in the script, and my favorite thing in the world is when I'm able to write in a line that somebody has improv I love that. 
That's kind of exciting about original work, and it also requires a level of grace from the director, I think, yes. for that to work, or from the playwright. That brings us back again to the collaboration of your team. If you are saying yeah. to your team, I am going to expect you all to toe the line and do what I say, there's not going to be a collaboration. But if you approach people and you say, listen, I'm going to do my best to maintain confidence and hold a vision, but I need your input. Mm -hmm. I think I learned that when I did um, uh, Complete Works of oh, Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I did that. And then we we followed that up with Complete History. And I had three guys who were just are just off the charts, funny people. And they would take things and run with them. And I remember I had a bet with one of the actors. And I said, yeah. He said, oh, no, trust me, this is going to be funny. And I'm like, I just don't think it is. I don't think that's going to be funny. I said, but I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Because he was absolute bound and determined. He was going to do it with or without my permission, which is another thing. You know, you, once the actors are set free, you really don't have control. And I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll do it in the invitational dress rehearsal, and you'll see that is referred to as an IDR, which is your night before you open. They call it previews on Broadway. If you do it in the invitational dress rehearsal and you get one laugh, I'll let you put it in. And I honestly, I'm not even sure I can remember what the thing was, but he did. It got was laughs. It was it Jared? Of course. He got laughs yeah. from everybody in the audience, yeah. and it was hugely funny. I think that, for me, was a turning point with that particular actor, is that some people just have a sense of how to interact with an audience. Like, he gets that dance, and I've seen him act time and time again, and I've never been disappointed. And I don't think he even realizes how good he is at it. Yeah. But, you know, his life is about comedy and how does it work. You know, we all have people in our lives, we think, oh, they'd be really good on stage, and it turns out they're horrible on stage. Or the converse is often true, and that is someone that you think won't be that good on stage, and they step on the boards, and they are amazing. Uh, Miranda. I'm thinking Sarah as Miranda. Yeah. Such a surprise. Have you thought about going back to that play, or have you set that one aside? Uh, uh. That's in the past. <laughs> Really, you guys, we have delved into the subject of team building. Is there anything that I didn't ask? Darian, I feel like you've got so much to say on team building. You've had to build teams out of thin air. I think just making sure that you communicate with your team mostly. And if you communicate with them and you get on the same page with them and you guys understand each other's work and each other's vision and you understand each other's work ethic and you trust each other's visions and you trust their choices and they trust yours. Um, and you trust your actor's choices, and you trust your audience. I don't want to see a firm play where no one has made any choices, where the director makes all the choices. I don't want to see that. There's also Albie, and that's a playwriting thing, where um, every single line of every play he writes has a parenthetical before it of how to say the line. It's one of my favorites, but calm down. I think it's a lot easier to connect with the audience if a bigger group of people are trying to connect with the audience versus the director just trying to connect with the audience with these people by using them as tools, which that's not what it is. It's a show and you're trying to collaborate and you're not going to be able to connect differently with different audiences if you don't have different people and different ideas on the stage. Because if you have the same idea every night, the audience is going to react the same way every single night. You have an audience walking out without any post-show conversation. That's what I always aim for. I want to play that causes a good conversation on the car ride home. 
Yeah. Or like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, after Immigrants, We Get the Job Done, I think the first couple weeks of the show, the audience kept applauding for a long time after that, to the point where I think he added an extra bar or two of music to allow for audience applause. I'm sure he didn't anticipate quite the response, and I wonder if that was something that got thrown in late in the game or if he had that idea early. It just was too good. Yeah. I know. And, and then there's uh, Sondheim versus... Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber does not edit. He is, uh, once he finished the work, he's done with it. But then Sondheim is constantly correcting. Every time there's a new publication, he'll, even if it's just like one or two lines, he'll always be changing it. There's not one version of Follies or Roadshow. He wrote Roadshow four different times. Yeah, that's that's a that's a balancing act, isn't it? And it's hard to know because I think it's it can't be set in amber. But it also, if you are constantly trying to update something that was written, you know, at a certain time in your life, you almost have to live with that's where you were at that time. Kind of like when I asked you about Miranda. I'm not sure if I went and reread that script right now. I just get depressed. You know, my thing is that I want to encourage people to just get used to the idea of producing their own work. Because once you do it and you get accustomed to it, it stops being so precious. I've seen playwrights get really anxious and super worried and, oh, no, it's ruined. It isn't perfect. And da da da. Whereas I think, luckily, I've had the opportunity and the circumstances to where I have done many, many, many plays before. This is just another one, and it'll get done again later. And so if it's not perfect, that's fine. It never will be. And it is part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, running low on battery, so that's my signal that we're probably going to wrap up here. But it has been so great to talk to you guys like this. I love talking theater with both of you. Yeah, me too. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Plus, I love being able to have the chance to tell you I love you. And um, thanks for helping out with my podcast. I'm going to post it on Monday nights just because that's dark night in the theater. Okay. And they're going to be audio only. Is there any place that you want my listeners to go check out any of your stuff? I don't think I have stuff. Check out my blog. It's sallypal.com. Then I'd have to blog. Be sure and share with your friends and anybody that you think might be interested. Also, you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on my website. Look for my posts on Twitter and Facebook, and be sure and let me know how you feel about it. If you like it, press the like button. If you really like it, please do share. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Will and Darian, for being guests on the show. And look forward to another podcast every Monday night in the area of producing original work for the stage. Next week, I'll be posting a podcast that I recorded with a former student of mine, Daniel Bowers, who played Shakespeare in an original play written by Will Inman and me. And we'll talk about that experience next Monday, June 19th. In the meantime, remember this. Producing original work for the stage is what I do, and you can too. Thanks for listening to Sally Pal. Find more at sallypal.com. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you